Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited you're here. Today, we're going to talk about holistic sexual medicine. And our guest today is Dr. Deborah Wickman. But before we're going to our conversation today, I just want to share with you guys that we just passed 100,000 downloads. And I'm so grateful for all of you guys who shared our podcast with your friends, who wrote us an honest review on iTunes or Stitchers. And it really means a lot to me if you get a chance, write us an honest review on iTunes. It helps us to reach a broader audience. So today, as I mentioned, we have this wonderful gynecologist who's also a sexuality counselor as our guest today. She's very passionate about holistic medicine, and I think you guys will really enjoy our conversation. Dr. Deborah Wickman is a gynecologist with more than 20 years of experience. She completed a fellowship in female sexual medicine at UCLA and is also trained as a sexuality counselor. Her model of diagnosis and treatment incorporates programs that uniquely educate, empower, and encourage personal growth, sexual discovery, and healing for women. The programs look beyond the singular medical, pharmaceutical, or behavioral therapy and instead integrate all approaches from a mind-body perspective. Central to her model is a holistic sexuality approach using her training as a gynecologist to link the physical aspect of healing with the mental, emotional, and spiritual facets to treat the whole sexual being. 
Her research interests include exploring effects of sexual practices on the vaginal microbiome and methods to condition the female arousal response. She's a popular workshop speaker for women's group and has also presented lectures research at venues such as the World Congress of Sexual Medicine in Beijing, China, Annual Clinical and Scientific Meeting, ASAC 2017 Annual Meeting, and the World Association of Sexual Health in Prague. She is featured in the 2017 book Outstanding Results, authoring a chapter entitled Outstanding Doctor-Patient Relationships, How to Connect with Your Physician and Receive Optimal Care. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Deborah Wickman. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned during the introduction, I am so excited and thrilled to have Dr. Deborah Wickman on our show today. Dr. Wickman, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation. I was, first time I heard about your practice, I was so positively curious and thrilled that there's a gynecologist, there's a physician that applies a more holistic approach toward care of their clients. So tell us a little bit about how did you get into, how did you get interested in applying holistic sexuality approach? Hmm. Well, it was kind of an evolution as I look back on my career. I've been a gynecologist about 24 years now, and time just flies. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It seems like just yesterday, but, you know, that's what happens in life. It just, you know, flies by. But looking back to the beginning, I remember finishing my residency training in OBGYN and being excited to start taking care of women. And I started out in a private practice setting doing general obstetrics and gynecology. And I realized I was really ready and excited to help women with life-saving things. I could, you know, get a baby delivered if there was distress. Um, I could do surgery and remove a, you know, huge uterus, solve a lot of pain. But as you start to develop relationships with women and they trust you in that kind of a setting when, you know, you keep having the, the patient connection, they started asking me things about how to make sex better, how they could enjoy it better, how they could have better desire. And it started to dawn on me that we weren't trained for that. It was really ironic, I thought, that, you know, we we as OBGYNs are kind of the guardians of the reproductive organs, but really it's all about either reproduction or pathology. And we don't really know, or at least, you know, we don't have a good handle on how to help well women, you know, connect with natural desires or connect with their pleasure. And so that began my quest of trying to figure out what do I tell them? How do I help? You know, so um, I started out and I went to, I applied for a fellowship and did a year at UCLA in the Female Sexual Medicine Fellowship to try to get some answers. What I discovered there was a lot of information, but what was frustrating was What I find is when you just help in the physical realm with remedies, just physical remedies, prescriptions, procedures, those kind of things, they might help for a while, but it's not a lasting change. And that was frustrating. Why does the problem come back or why doesn't it get all the way better? 
And it wasn't until I started working alongside a very uh, wonderful sex therapist in a different career setting. We had kind of a freestanding mind-body approach where she was, she as the psychologist sex therapist um, saw the patients and so did I as the gynecologist sexual medicine expert. And uh, what I began to learn from her was that there was these other dimensions of the woman that if you didn't deal with blocks and barriers in her you know, mind, body, heart, and spirit all at once, you're not going to uncover everything you need to know to be able to help, to be able to help her find answers. Exactly. And I'm glad you're talking about, you know, some of the experiences of some gynecologists, some physicians that clients are going to them as a first person, they're asking their questions about sexuality, because even I know as a psychologist, I hear from my clients that it's just easier for them at the beginning to ask those mm -hmm. questions from their physicians, because it seems like, you know, those are the people that just, they do the examination, like, uh, so they feel more comfortable with that. And mm -hmm. at times they share with me that it, the answers they get, they feel it's just not enough. Or as you said, many, many times uh, physicians are fantastic, but they don't necessarily have the training on psychology of sex and sex therapy, unless like you, they go do extensive training on those things. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to seek certification as a sexuality counselor you know, kind of round that out and really help develop this kind of unique approach that I have. I was so fortunate to work under Dr. Gina Ogden, who's a renowned oh, author and sex therapist. And so through collaboration with her, we developed my approach, which is based on her 4D wheel of sexual experience. And um, I've adapted that into a kind of a gynecologic approach to sexuality counseling. And I found that is what really makes the difference for women when you develop an integrative approach like that. But you're right, it is so frustrating. Part of the problem in Western medicine is that we're under this mod model of um, lack of time. Right. Typically, they give us very brief appointment times and, you know, the model of just cram as many patients in, get them in, get them out. And it's based on just prescribe something and get them out and um, deal with one or two problems at a time. And, and it's really an inefficient and not very effective long-term way, to, especially in the field of sexuality. It works fine if you have minor problems, a yeast infection or a urinary tract infection. Sure, that's a quick appointment. But when you're really trying to delve into what's causing problems with orgasm or what's causing problems with arousal or desire, you cannot do that in a 15 or 20 minute appointment. Absolutely. I used to, uh, I did my postdoc and some of part of my training at Kaiser. And I know when mm. we were collaborating with physicians mm -hmm. and primary care physicians there, when they were pulling out their schedule, it seemed like there were a million people in the schedule. And within those 10 to 15 minutes that you're doing the examination, all like history and everything, you're right. It's there's just not enough time to go deeper with sexual issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very frustrating that way. And we have a lot of research even in that, you know, we're not prepared to even ask the questions. Sometimes physicians are embarrassed to ask women sexual questions. And research shows that whether it's for a concern of time or because we're embarrassed, um, we just don't ask 
about sexual satisfaction and, you know, if your needs are being met or if you have pain. And so if we don't bring it up, often the patient is reluctant to bring it up too because she doesn't feel comfortable or safe if she thinks you're going to be uncomfortable. So it's kind of a, a perpetual problem there too with just access to being able to ask anything you want. Right. And also exploring it, it requires, mm-hmm. you know, also like more in-depth psychology training. And also people need to be comfortable to talk about those things. And again, if you're opening this maybe history of trauma or all this distress and you only have five more minutes left mm-hmm. with a patient, that can be challenging as well. Right, right. Because you don't want to cause harm. Right. You want to do it in the right pace and the right approach. But I'm so glad that you are doing this this uh, different approach of integrative healthcare and you're applying the holistic basis and holistic understandings of people's sexuality. So you talked about, you briefly mentioned about 4D wheel of sexual experience. Can you share us a little bit more about that? Sure. Basically, the, the 4D wheel of sexual experience is based on, like I said, Dr. Gina Ogden's work through several decades. And she's written, I think, more than 10 books defining it and talking about it. But basically, it's formatted on a very simple premise. And um, it's, it comes from ancient times. It's based on the medicine wheel of, you know, the medicine wheel of indigenous cultures. And if you can imagine simply a circle with a crisscross over it, and in each quadrant, so it's four equally divided quadrants. Those are the quadrants of the mind, body, heart, and spirit. And um, the way I've adapted my version of that is it's the same basic medicine wheel. But to contrast, when Gina puts um, participants through the wheel experience, it's an interactive stand-up approach where you actually move through the wheel from standing in the physical quadrant, talking about what's going on in your body. And then you move to the emotional quadrant and talk about how you're feeling about it. And then you move into the intellectual quadrant and talk about your limiting beliefs and such. And the spiritual quadrant, talking about your connections with yourself, your partner, or anything that's meaningful to you. And through that, she brings up blocks and barriers in each of those quadrants to then deal with and move through it. And the idea is that as you remove those blocks and barriers from those quadrants, you have then uninterrupted flow through the being or through the sexual being, through body, mind, heart, and spirit in sacred geometry, which is the spiral, moving towards the center of the wheel, which is then the idea, the optimal blissful integration of all four areas as you connect with yourself, your partner, and life in general. And so the way I've adapted that is that same basic premise, but as a gynecologist, I put, I have a a, uh, silk and satin lovely vulva puppet. Oh, I've seen those. Those are gorgeous. (laughs) Yes. It's so helpful because it's, you know, it's something you can hold, you can point to, you can interact with. And so I have my my um, 4D wheel, which is the, the circle and the crisscross, an actual thing that we're sitting be- um, on each side of. And I put the vulva puppet in the center. And now the wheel becomes the voice of that woman's genital organs, her vulva, her vagina, her cervix. And she tells the story 
as her vulva is telling it or as her reproductive organs are telling it through each quadrant. So then in talking about it first, we spend time going through each quadrant of how would your, you know, how would your yoni or, you know, we often call it that encompasses everything, but um, how would your vulva, how would your vagina describe how she feels? What's going on with physical, you know, is there pain? Is there numbness? Is there weird sensations? Is there a lack of sensation, you know? And then connections, emotions. So we explore all of those. And what I've added on to it is in each of those quadrants, I have the woman identify what's her current reality, what is going on, you know, that's usually a negative thing because they're, they're getting my help. And so we identify those things, talking through it. But then equally important is what is the wished for state? that ultimately you would like to feel or believe or achieve. And so we identify what is that, how would you describe that wished for state so that you've described it in terms of how do you know when you're well? How do you know when you're healthy? How do you know when you've achieved, you know, what you want? So it helps define where we are and where we're going. And then I take them through this process of really harnessing that healing power to move over the course of our sessions from current reality into that wished for state. I've heard it described in many different settings, but it, one term that I really like is called morphic resonance, where the brain, if, with intention and with conscious repetition and consistency, can actually start to fill in and actually make physiologic processes happen toward achieving that wished for state. And it's amazing. I've seen it happen over and over again as we go through this. And then the woman has homework to do at home that she, you know, consistently utilizes her powers of intention and her brain. And we can um, alter neurochemicals in the brain to help with desire in an intentional way. We can, um, you know, improve the mood. We can really just change the body as well. I've helped women with weight loss that way with um, overcoming many physical barriers like pain and numbness. So it's really the ultimate connection of the mind with the body because we all know our mind is really where it all starts and what is really the most powerful effector of change. And so if we can harness that, that's the, that's the key. Right, right. And I love when you're talking, when you were when you're talking about four wheels uh, for these mm-hmm. and how you're applying it in your practice mm-hmm. because it gives people even the visual of like your sexuality is more than your physical sensations and mm-hmm. kind of exploring different things. And based on my experience, at least, obviously I don't explore the physical component the way that you yeah. do because you're a physician, but also based on my experience, some some of the issues that gets really in the way of people experiencing their full potential and the power of their sexuality is their limiting beliefs that they learn from their parents, Mm -hmm. from their culture, the Mm -hmm. messages they internalize. How do you process that with them? Well, that's really a great point because you cannot separate the mind from the body. And so much programming goes in, you know, from the time we're conscious as tiny children until now we're trying to function as healthy adults. And so it's really a process to overcome that. I do um, 
collaborate a lot with sex therapists. And some of them even come in with their client and do the, this experience along with us, you know, so that they're present in the room while we're going through all of these quadrants and uncovering the hot button issues, you know, in each of the anatomic areas. But back to the mind and body being united. As humans, we thrive on that intimate connection. And what I find is we can't access that intimate connection if we're numb or if we're in pain or if we're shut down or in shame. And so you you have to bring those things to light and speak them to begin with. Some things are so a woman can be in so much shame about that she's never told anyone. And she can never heal from that until she brings it out and explores it and talks about it. One perfect example that I've come come across a couple times in my practice is the whole shame of, um, for instance, abortion. Maybe she was forced to have an abortion as a teenager by her parents. And um, so she went along with it, but never really processed it. Always felt horrible about it, but never told anyone, even her, you know, now husband or partner. But it continues to be this festering block that is inside of her. And so then when I started working with her, and this came out when we started talking about your reproductive organs and what would your cervix say? And, you know, we realized there's so much shame and she was feeling so much guilt. She could not forgive herself for this. And so it was so transformational and healing when in my exam room, you know, and I, I didn't um, actually explain this, but then we go next door into the exam room where she actually goes through a pelvic exam holding a digital pad like an iPad. And I have a special app that projects or transmits exactly what I'm looking at in her exam. So she sees on the iPad in high definition exactly every structure. And I usually start with the cervix. So there it is on the iPad. She's seeing her own cervix for the first time and she's experiencing it and feeling me touching it. And we're talking about it and we're interacting about it. And she's realizing that's the cervix where this, you know, trauma happened. This same cervix was there all that 25 years ago when it happened. And there's a lot of, you know, emotion. There's a lot of processing. But with her seeing it, feeling it, experiencing it right then, it really helps just release it. And so I've seen this happen so many times with this process. They release it, and then they can heal it. And um, we go through so many things like that. But deep in the vagina is one of those areas because you can't really access that on your own. You can't see your own cervix um, typically. And so when you can see it right there, holding it in your hands in an iPad on an image, that's powerful. Absolutely. And again, talking about things that's so intimate and you feel shameful about it based on my experience, mm-hmm. even just disclosing it with someone that you feel they understand it, you trust them can be very empowering and a powerful experience. Yes. Yes, that's so true. So based on your experiences, when you explore those four areas with women, based on the population that you see in your office, what are some of the Areas that you notice people are experiencing more challenges when they're processing, they're verbalizing their experiences with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of 
difficulty around orgasm because uh, women are so uninformed in general about their bodies and their function. There's so many misconceptions because if they do have information, it's often from porn, which we know is full of uh, mythology. (laughs) And um, so because they don't look like a porn star or act like a porn star or experience what they think a porn star is is experiencing when they see those examples, they think something's wrong with them. They think they're broken. And often their partners have the same impression because they're informed by the same type of thing. And so men think that their woman is supposed to, you know, scream and, and, uh, you know, gyrate like a porn star. And when she doesn't, they're disappointed. So there's so many questions women have around orgasm, around how it should be done, whether they should self-stimulate or whether that's wrong. And then expectations around I should have an orgasm every time I have penetration. Why don't I? What's wrong with me? And so there's so much to normalize around, you know, most women don't have enough clitoral stimulation during penetration. And most women don't have enough foreplay to be aroused enough to then bridge right over into a orgasm very soon. And so normalizing what does the female body need to achieve that? And then allowing them to think about how would I want to experience that? What could change in my life now that would help me experience that easier? How could I talk to my partner about exploring more and doing things differently and taking more time and pleasing me? Because so, so much about women are that we're nurturing the man and we don't ask for anything in return. We have trouble receiving. And so there's so much work around, hey, you matter too. You need to learn how to receive and let him you know, take care of you. So much of pain is about that because every day I hear a woman say, oh, I feel so sorry for my husband. He's so patient with me. I just, you know, he needs to be able to have sex. And she's had pain maybe for several years, even though she's, and and had sex, even though she's having pain because she feels a nurturing responsibility to have sex with her husband, even in the face of pain, because she rates his pleasure much more important than her own. And so part of that is really helping women reconnect their conscious connection with their anatomy and function and with the fact that they deserve pleasure. They should have it, you know, they should be pleased as well as the, as the male partner. So you were talking about, you were talking about how women and men have limited information about sexuality when it comes to women's sexuality at times men's sexuality i was thinking you're absolutely right in a sense that most people these days they know what sexy supposedly look like they don't mm-hmm. know what sexy feels like and right. if we're feeling that you know our anatomy our body is broken it's just definitely impairing our sexuality and it's hard to connect with your uh, sexual self Mm-hmm. And you're right, big part of, at least even as, as a psychologist, I realize big part of me is just like demystifying, answering the questions around sexual education, because mm-hmm. there's just so much misinformation out there. Yes, you're so right. And, you know, there's misinformation, but it percolates along because women won't ask. They'll just continue to either be uninformed or they'll keep believing what they've heard. 
and they don't clarify because they really don't know how to bring up the subject. So it's really up to us, all those of us who have this really sacred relationship with women as patients and clients, to be comfortable enough to talk about it and ask them and allow them a forum to really bring up their questions and then tell them, you know, truth, separate truth from fiction about it. And I like to do that during their exam where they can actually see, for instance, their Skeen's glands and Bartholin gland openings. And we talk about these are the openings where lubrication comes from and how that happens. And even female ejaculation, they can see on their own bodies with the iPad where that happens and um, how it works. And then as they're laying there or kind of halfway sitting there experiencing the exam, they're free to ask me things about it. And it just kind of is this then just they can't they can't stop talking about it because finally they can ask one thing after the next thing after the next thing and get so much clarity on how their body works, what's normal, what's a good expectation. And then often I have the partner come in who, you know, she'll want to bring him back if it's a male or even her uh, female partner to learn also. So it's like a, a session often where I'm educating the partner and her, the woman about her body and the places that are important to know about and how they function. So it's kind of an intimacy building experience as well for couples when they really see that and experience that kind of exam and education together with me. How lucky your patients are <laughs> that they have an informed, uh, knowledgeable uh, gynecologist who's interested to answer the questions. So I think it's just very unusual <laughs> based on my yeah. experience. My husband also is in the field of medicine and he always tells me uh, that he limits your questions to two per visit. <laughs> right. I know. It's, um, yeah, it's a challenge to find the time. Luckily, I've been able to carve out it a niche where I, I do tend to have, you know, an hour of time typically per patient for these kind of experiences. And, you know, there's so much interaction between all the body parts. I mean, they actually see their pelvic floor muscles contract, and then they understand how when they're in pain, why does it feel like he's hitting something? Well, it's because the pelvic floor muscles deep inside contract so forcefully and subconsciously that he's hitting those and that's uncomfortable. But until they really see how it looks when they contract their pelvic floor and they can see their vagina kind of clamp down, then they really get it. You know, so there's so many examples about how women can connect with their bodies that way and and then achieve a real understanding for, you know, how things should be and how they would want them. Right. And I feel as you're absolutely right on other thing that you were mentioning about asking the questions, because even when people coming in to my practice as a psychologist, unless I ask them a more in-depth question about sexuality, most mm -hmm. of them, they just don't bring it up, even mm -hmm. if that's their main concern. So mm. what are some of the recommendations you have for our listeners when, when there's some challenges around sexuality, they want to bring it up with their gynecologist, their physician, what would be the best way of approaching that? Mm -hmm. The best way is to write down their concerns ahead of time. On, I, I tell patients to bring a folder or you know, have a journal, have a journal that you devote to your 
medical appointments. And if you have several doctors, have a journal for each doctor so that you can journal along what's been going on in your process. And write your questions down ahead of time because every time this will happen, if you don't, you'll forget, you'll get distracted, you'll feel like, oh, I'm out of time. But if you have it written down and you bring it up towards the beginning, my whole thing is approach every appointment with intention. So before you even go in, tell yourself or ask yourself the questions, what do I want to accomplish today? What questions do I have that I want answered? What you know, concept do I have that I need clarity on? And have those few things written down in your journal so that you can address them. And then the gynecologist or doctor should ideally consider you a partner, you know, an active participant in your course of care. Think it's old school to expect the patient to just sit there and have you as the physician authoritatively dictate do this, do this, do this, do this, and not say anything back and not ask any questions and just say, okay, doctor, here I go, and just obediently carry out what you said. Women are much more educated and conscious and interactive now, and they realize for real, real health, they have to be a participant in their care. They can't just be a victim or can't just be you know, waiting for us to strike our magic wand on their head and everything's going to be fine. For real healing, we have to have them engaged and know what they need to do and ask back what they don't understand or, you know, have a dialogue about it, what they're willing to do, what won't work. And um, I feel like the whole thing needs to be slowed down. You know, as doctors, we need to slow down and we need to listen to the whole situation, the whole story, and not be afraid to ask those necessary questions. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, so much of the time we don't ask about sex, we don't ask about satisfaction. We need to ask those questions, even if it's just a matter of, you know, I have a great referral for you. I'm glad you told me you're having this issue, so I, I really want you to go see so-and-so, and, -so. and in, in my town that would be me. And so as long as you have an answer to send somebody to the right place, you don't have to feel like, oh my gosh, it's going to take me another half hour to explore that. The patient will be grateful just for a reference or resource. Right. And I, I agree with you about the being intentional, especially when it comes to the topics that people are feeling uncomfortable about. If mm -hmm. you're kind of like thinking ahead of time, as you mentioned about what is my intention for this appointment and how mm -hmm. am I going to communicate uh, what I need to my physician mm -hmm. care provider, because again, it's fantastic. You carved out an hour. It's very generous of you to mm -hmm. dedicate, educate clients and patients. But I feel like if you're thinking you're going to more traditional gynecological visits and you only have 15 minutes mm -hmm. at time, it might be hard for you to kind of even formulate the question and also mm -hmm. writing it down. It gives you another level of commitment that I'm going to ask this question, I'm going to address this issue. And I love this idea. Mm -hmm. Yes, I find that women don't think about going to the doctor and keeping track of things. It should be an organized process, you know, and, and um, you have to help keep the doctor on track. You have to remember what you've already done because they don't have time to thoroughly review your whole history each and every time. So if you have it there organized and you have your little files and tabs, and, you know, test results, 
and everything readily accessible to flip back and forth in, it makes it so much easier. And then you, you, it's so much more efficient use of your time. And then we don't have to cover ground that's already been tried. You can say, yes, I tried this. I've been here. I've done that. And so I think the, the ongoing doctor-patient relationship should be one of constantly reevaluating what's working, what's not working. Be open to new ideas. Don't be closed and think that you have all the answers as the physician. But um, I readily establish in the beginning that, you know, I want to know everything you're doing and all types of practitioners you're seeing. And I want to know how it's working. A lot of times women are um, embarrassed or fearful to divulge to their MD that they're seeing a naturopath or that they're seeing an herbalist or that they're having energy work because they don't want to be judged and they don't want to, you know, have to defend it. But I say right out from the beginning, I want to know what you're doing, especially if it's working, because maybe I want to refer other people to that practitioner if they've really got a great, successful approach going. So I find that's really successful, too, when, you know, they know they can tell you anything and you're not going to judge them or yell at them or, you know, make them feel stupid because they're doing that. So it's a great link. And then we can also just constantly reevaluate what's working that I'm doing what's not working that I'm doing. Another thing is to just not be so invested in the solution that I've proposed. I mean, I have to be willing to realize, hey, maybe something I suggested isn't working, in which case I don't want the woman worried that she's going to hurt my feelings by telling me it's not working. I just want to know. So I also, you know, women are just so nurturing. They, If you don't tell them that, they often don't want to tell you something's not working well because they don't want to hurt your feelings. They, they want to take care of the doctor, right. you know? <laughs> That's so, true. So um, I just try to get all of those ground rules out in the beginning of like, look, you're the focus here. Don't, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I want the truth. Tell me everything you're doing and let's have an engagement. Let's, let's always reevaluate where we've been, where we need to go, what more we need to do so that we can really gain some ground here. Right. And one other thing that comes to my mind because of like, it's important to feel comfortable and open with your physician and especially your gynecologist. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even like, you know, the physician is very knowledgeable, but the patient might not feel comfortable talking to the person. It could be for a number of different reasons. It could be for gender, it could be for history. Mm-hmm. So based on my experience, I feel it's important to find the physician that you feel comfortable. If you're lucky enough that you have the plan that you can change or you can yes. go to someone that you have options. I think it's important to kind of feel that you're going to someone that you feel connected and at least comfortable opening up is important as well. Yes, that is a really good point. And uh, I, I really feel strongly too about that in that, you know, you are important and your health is important. and so. So often, though, I see women go to a doctor they don't really connect with who doesn't really, you know, seem to care too much about them. And the reason they go is because, well, that's the only one on my plan. And what I like to recommend is really kind of rethinking that. I mean, sometimes we do have to pay cash for things that are important, right? like like therapy, you know, like uh, Reiki, like, you know, there's just so many things that aren't covered under insurance. 
more and more all the time. We just don't know where insurance is even headed. And so if you really need help, you need to really prioritize yourself and really evaluate, you know, maybe I should put forth this amount of cash toward this person who can help me, even if they are a cash pay type practice. I mean, my, my practice is definitely insurance based, but the aspects of it that aren't covered, then the patient pays a portion of. And so that's at least helpful that, you know, they don't have to typically pay the whole thing. But still, we, we need to prioritize our own health and our own care. And, you know, don't just settle for whatever person is on your plan if they're not meeting your needs. Absolutely. And I agree with you. It's important to invest in ourselves because I feel in culture, in our culture, we learn to kind of invest on things that will help mm-hmm. us feel better. And again, yes. people go from one thing to another thing to help them feel like sexy or help them yeah. feel kind of better. But like they, if they're exploring their own inner world and relationship with kind of different things around mind body approach, they might not need those things to help them feel better. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. know you you have so much knowledge and expertise and you not only a gynecologist, you are also a sexuality counselor. So if our listeners would like to get a hold of you, the materials you have, what would be the best way? The best way would be through my website, which is drdebrawickman.com. And um, there I, you know, it's a, a brand new site. So it's constant, it's, you know, in the evolution stage right now, but there's a feature on there where you can um, send me a message and, um, you know, uh, I can connect with you and, um, or, uh, and it will have my practice information there too, and phone numbers and, and things too, if somebody wants to make an appointment with me. And um, there's also the possibility of doing some, you know, like Skype type of appointments as well for people who don't live in my town of Phoenix. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So that's, I really enjoy connecting with women. So I, I have a passion for this topic, as you might be able to tell. Right. And um, so I really, I love all aspects of this. Right. Again, thank you so much for your wonderful work. And I know you continuously educate therapists, other mental health providers, other physicians. So I highly encourage people to check out your website. I leave a link to your website in the show notes. And thank you so much for your time. Mm, You're so welcome. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Same here. Have a great day. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Wickman. It was so refreshing to talk to a physician, a gynecologist, who's so well-rounded and integrated holistic approach in her practice. And I really enjoyed the tips and tricks that she shared with us around how to communicate better with our healthcare providers and how we can change our approach that we might get more out of our visits. I just wanted to remind you guys at the end that if you have a sex-related questions, we got answers. All you need to do is just you can email it to me at drmoali at sexologypodcast.com or you can record your voice with the questions at sexologypodcast.com. Uh, we'll feature the question on the show and uh, either myself alone or with another uh, sex therapist, physician, depending on the question, we'll go ahead and answer them. For those of you guys who sent us questions, thank you so much. 
we'll feature some of them and uh, you'll definitely hear from me. I guess we just heard so many, we just got so many questions. Anyhow, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.